Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. It's episode 93 of the podcast, and so happy to have you along with us. And it's a special today. We love doing special uh, episodes, and this is one every single year that I look forward to because it is just a, a great time of year. It's the start of the college hockey season, and in, and in just a minute, we're going to bring in Brad Schlossman, the ratings champion, the the man that I bring in anytime I want to talk college hockey just because we talk about it every day anyway. Uh, we'll be on with us in just a second. Before we do that, though, did want to let you know, if you want to watch a lot of college hockey this year, there is uh, a great way to do that with Flow Hockey. We have the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey, a robust non-conference slate as well with the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey teams. All of their home games are on Flow. You can see uh, games like Boston University versus Bentley, Michigan State, uh, Denver among those teams, but then also the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey regular seasons all the way to their championship games. Sign up today at flowhockey.tv. And without further ado, let's start previewing this amazing college hockey season that we have upon us. And how better to do that than with one of the great college hockey insiders in all the land, Ladies and gentlemen, of course, I'm talking about Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald. You know him. You love him. And Brad, welcome back to Talking Hockey Sense. Hello, Chris. Good to be with you again. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you because while you cover the University of North Dakota and cover them uh, really, really well, you always have your finger on the pulse of the rest of the country. I think, you know, you're, you're as much a national college writer as you are a local beat writer. And because of that, you're one of my favorite people to talk to about college hockey because there's always stuff happening. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. We're going to talk about, you know, the, the, the top teams, which we're going to get to shortly. We're going to talk about conference champions, the college free agents that are always so uh, interesting to follow the Hobie Baker race, and then, you know, we'll answer some of the listener questions. And, and Brad, if you want to stick around for that, I'm sure that uh, people would love your insight as well. But Brad, to start us off, I wanted to talk about some of the storylines that are going to define the college hockey season. And the first one we're going to get to is there is an absolute arms race happening in college hockey. Last couple of years, it's been Michigan and Minnesota kind of in the recruiting wars and battling for the very, very best talent. Well, that has shifted east, and the Battle of Com Ave is now one of the great recruiting battles of college hockey. Um, you know, you look at Boston University, which will have Macklin Celebrini this year, the number one prospect. They just got a commitment from Cole Iserman, who flipped from Minnesota to Boston University to be closer to home. He won't be there till next year. Then Boston College has a number one recruiting class this year, and they just picked up a commitment from James and Michael Hagens for next season. James Hagens could be the number one pick in the in the 2025 draft. So there is a large focus on the city of Boston uh, and in this great rivalry in college hockey. I mean, it, it's been crazy to see. I mean, th these are two teams that actually have a chance to compete this year. Yeah, it feels like, those programs have ebbed and flowed a little bit over the last decade. Um, they, they've had their good years. They've fallen back for a few years. It, they, they really haven't been as consistent maybe as we have seen uh, previously, especially BC. And it feels like we're about to go up the hill again um, with both of them. The, you know, sometimes new coaching staffs can – lead to recruiting momentum 
And both those teams have used their coaching changes to jump right into recruiting momentum. And they're, they're bringing a lot of high-end players there. Uh, there's going to be some excitement uh, with some of those players uh, in college hockey as a whole. And it'll be interesting to see what levels they can propel those teams to. Uh, but, you know, I've got both of them preseason top five. So uh, I, th- I think they're both uh, back. BU maybe not as much of a surprise as they are coming off a Frozen Four appearance. But uh, BC, that's a big jump for them. Huge jump and, and a really great point about the coaching staff. You look at the two coaches that are there now, Jay Pandolfo entering year two, Greg Brown entering year two, and they both coach in the NHL, which, you know, they both obviously are, are alumni of their programs. Greg Brown was a longtime assistant at BC, um, and then Jay Pandolfo was an assistant with the Boston Bruins. And I think that the NHL pedigree that both of those coaches have, as well as their longtime experience in college hockey, Brown more so than Pandolfo, um, it, it, it has really lit a match, you know, for 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 the recruiting there. And I think there are players that want to play for those guys that have a lot of respect for them. And so when you're seeing elite level talent go to these programs, it's not really a surprise because they've invested in the coaching. And so I think that's a really good point. And you look right now, BC with Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and and Gabe Perot, the top line from the National Team Development Program, all deciding to go to Boston College with Perot being the very last to commit of them. Um, you know, you have that, and then they also have the goaltender and Jacob Fowler. Um, and if there's going to be a difference between the two programs, is Fowler an immediate impact player or is BU's Matthew Caron as a transfer yeah. going to be the difference maker? So we will see what happens there. Conversely, I wanted to uh, – another storyline is is – I think that we're about to see a bit of a shift in power potentially in the Big Ten. Minnesota and Michigan have been the class of the conference for the last couple of years, competing for Big Ten titles, You know, going to the Frozen Four last year, both of them. Minnesota, uh, a goal away from a national championship and just the agonizing summer this must have been um, in Minneapolis, given not only that you have you know, that come that close to a national championship, but then you sustain significant losses to the NHL. Some were expected. One was a little late in the game, Logan Cooley, and then you lose your top recruit for next season and Cole Eiserman just on the eve of, of your season starting. And then on the other side, you've also got Michigan State that's had a big recruiting season and also a big transfer season. You know, you you had Penn State that picked up a, a big recruit in Aiden Fink and that they've got some some veteran talent on their roster still. So are we going to see a bit of a shift in power in the Big Ten? And, and is this a year where maybe we don't see as many Big Ten teams in the national tournament? Well, I think on a national scale, the one thing, that, you know, to, to you always keep in the back of your mind, uh, Minnesota and Michigan, they, they did get a lot of really high-end draft picks in recruits. But they also didn't win a national title. And Michigan right. hasn't won a conference title in over a decade so in college hockey you sometimes need some older players and some guys to stick around the 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 best team in the country last year was a team that had three drafted guys and none in like the top three or four rounds it was quinnipiac they and, and so you can win in college hockey without the first round picks i think in the last six years only one first round pick has won a national title and that was riley tufty may or may not should have been a first round pick anyway um, 
so, so I, I think there's a balance here. And, and I do think the Big Ten is going to be good this year. I, I think two things are true. Hockey East is getting more of the really high-end young players. And the Big Ten is still going to be very good. And I think it's going to be deeper. So deeper and maybe more competitive, you think, in terms of yes. like a, a race to the top? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's when, when fair. When I and, start looking at like their fifth and sixth place teams, I'm like, this is a good team. How am I placing yeah. this team sixth? I look at their roster. You know, you look at, uh, you know, I think Wisconsin's going to be better. You talked about Michigan State. They're making a huge surge. Uh, I think Notre Dame is, people are overlooking Notre Dame. You yeah, know, Ryan agreed. Bischel's back. He's one of the best goalies in the nation. He could win the Richter. Um, you know, they've got some power up front. Uh, Minnesota and Michigan are still my top two teams. But I look at that as a really good deep conference. But while simultaneously they are not getting as many of the top prospects as Hockey East right now. So um, it, it's a really interesting dynamic. It, it is. And, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch Minnesota this year. Um, you know, losing Logan Cooley and Matt Nyes is obviously, you know, two guys that finished top three for the Hobie Baker last year is bad, but it's really what happened to their blue line that, that worries me significantly about their ability to compete. We're going to learn a lot about Justin Close this year, um, as, as a starting goalie, because he doesn't have Brock Faber and Ryan Johnson and Jackson Lacombe in front of him. And for a few months or at least a month. No Mike Kester either, which is 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 definitely concerning for them. Um, they they do have guys that have come in, you know, Oliver Moore, Sam Renzel, two guys that are first round draft picks. They you know they have a number of players that are that are a little bit older that are coming into the program. They they managed to get some some transfers as well, but you know I, them and and in Michigan losing basically their top you know three of their most important players in Fantilli and then in Luke Hughes and, and Eric Portillo. You know what is the goaltending going to look like? But all these teams still have really good players. The question is, is how do they compete and contend without with so much veteran talent loss? Because I think the one thing about Minnesota, especially with that blue line, those guys stuck around and were that close yes. to a national championship, and and it and it doesn't end up working out. Um, but this this brings me to my next point, and I, I believe you have some numbers on this. But the transfer portal can as store as far as storylines that are going to dictate or be part of our, our conversation throughout the entire season. The the transfer portal is is another big one, and I think you look at a team like Michigan State where they went in and they went after some high end talent, got guys like Ike Howard, Red Savage, players that have have you know Howard's a first round pick. Savage has played in the World Juniors and um, you know uh, got him out of Miami, so. Really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, the portal is a, playing a huge role in college hockey. No surprise. The last team to win a national championship without a transfer on it is 2016 North Dakota. Wow. The last team without a key player on it would be 2017 Denver. And then you start looking at these the national title winners. I mean, just go last year. Quinnipiac had a bunch of them, and Colin Graff was right at the top of the list. Top five scorer in the nation. He was their leading scorer, uh, just a, a really important player. Uh, the year before, Denver, Cameron Wright led them in goals. They got him as a fifth-year senior out of Bowling Green. Do they win the national title without Cameron Wright? Maybe not. Do, does Quinnipiac win without Colin Graff? Nope. No, um, no chance. <laughs> and he'll be back this year. Back to, 
Uh, yeah, even like uh, to 2021, uh, UMass, uh, they had their leading goal scorer was uh, a transfer. Um, yeah, Pritchard. Yeah. You know, they. Um, 2019 was to Duluth and, you know, uh, was that the year Peter Krieger was there and he was their first line center. And I mean, just these guys, tra- transfers are playing a big role. And if you want some of the numbers, um, I think 279 division one men's players went into the portal. Um, 216 ended up at new division one schools. These are both records. Uh, according to my numbers, I I've pulled, um, those are both, uh, records. There will be one more year where the transfer portal is very full. And this is because of the fifth year senior thing. And then after that, I suspect it's going to go way down. I, I haven't looked it up, uh, updated it yet, but I mean, we're talking that like 40% of kids in the portal are ones that only have a fifth year left. So you get rid of that and it drops big time. Um, you know, we have, we've got six division three players going up to division one. That's a record. Uh, granted, like four of them are going it to be a third string goalies. So take right. that with a, what it is. Um, but if you want to go conference by conference, Atlantic Hockey's got 43. The CCHA has 43. Hockey East, 36. Big 10, 27. NCHC, 27. The Independence, 24. The ECAC, 22. A lot of the ECAC programs and the Ivies can't have transfers. Um, academic uh, reasons for that. Um the, uh, there are eight teams that did not have a transfer. The eight teams that did not, a lot of them that you would expect, Air Force and Army, the service academies. Then you get into the Ivies, Cornell, Harvard, Dartmouth, Princeton, Yale. And the other one that didn't is actually the University of Denver. So Wow. Um, they are kind of an anomaly this year. Yeah, very, very interesting. And, and then – you know, and but they do like, you know, they don't have any new transfers, but they have guys like Tristan Bros that transferred in. So, you know, those guys stick Correct. around for a few years. So the trans I, I mean, just hearing those numbers, it's staggering because you look at the transfer portal and you understand exactly how how you know how quickly things and fortunes can change for teams and how you can plug holes that way. Now you could say, Well, is this the best way to build a roster? It is in the modern game. I mean, it just it just plain is you, you need it. Um, you you need it. And I think that this also the thing that I, I appreciate, I understand the frustration that it can cause for college coaches, but the appreciation that I have for the flexibility of the players to find better opportunities or other mm-hmm. opportunities or, you know, they're they're not entrapped in a program that doesn't fit for them. And not all of these yeah. are done because of that. You know, there are certainly players that shouldn't transfer, but that's the way that it goes sometimes. So that's a big one. Um, really quick, I just just wanted to touch on this as a storyline because I think it's important. Robert Morris is back this year, and now we have the debut of Augustana um, in, in college hockey. Uh, they will be a fully-fledged member of the CCHA in 2025-26. Augustana will have their games, even though they're not quite a uh, CCHA member yet or fully-fledged member. Uh, their games will be on Flow Hockey this year, so you can watch the inaugural season of the Vikings there. And I think, you know, Garrett Reboyne, he got a chance to start a program. Um, obviously they, they've got a lot of transfers as, as you would expect a new program to have. Uh, but they also have, have built a pretty robust freshman class. 
the first Division One college hockey program in South Dakota. So not a not a terribly far trip for you, Brad, if you want to get down to yeah. to South Dakota from uh, from from the the beautiful city of Grand Forks. But um, but yeah, but I mean, and having Robert Morris back, another team we'll have on Flow Hockey on Atlantic Hockey um, uh, with the with all the Atlantic Hockey games, you know, both men's and women's uh, with CHA as well here. Um, you know, I think it's it's great to have uh, college hockey back in the Pittsburgh area. And certainly, uh, I think a, a, a wrong was righted by returning that program as well. Um, but the one thing that I did also want to touch on with you before we move on to our next topic is the freshman class. Uh, this year's freshman class, you, we look at the, the NHL's Calder Trophy race with Connor Bedard and Logan Cooley and Matt Nyes and, and uh, just uh, dozens of other players that are really exciting. And then we look at the college hockey rookie of the year race. We're, we've got some legitimate Hobie Baker contenders in here. We've got uh, the potential number one overall pick in the NHL draft coming up. We have the number four overall pick, the number eight overall pick, um, another guy that could be a top five pick this year. I mean, it's insane. So I did a, I did a top 25 of the, of the top incoming freshmen in college hockey um, based on what I think their impact will be. You can read that over on flowhockey.tv. But Schloss, I mean, every year – it seems like we get these freshman classes that give us a lot of reason to be excited. And this year is no different. It's almost funny to me because Will Smith is so good and so elite and almost nobody's talking about him because of Celebrini is coming in. It just feels yeah. like, how is a guy like Will Smith, like under the radar right now? I, I don't get it. Um, 127 you know, points last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he's uh, he's he's incredible, and he's a perfect fit uh, uh, with Cutter Goche there. Um, so he, I mean, I, you look down the list, and uh, you know you've got Levshinov, who's you know, potentially top five pick uh, the following year, and was great in the USHL uh, for Green Bay. Um, you know your your list is uh, full of like first round high end guys. Um, you know, there's impact guys all around and, um, you know, you, you have to get down to 12 to see a guy I see all the time in Jaden Perron. Um, and he, he's a third round pick, but I think like a guy like Jaden Perron is going to be incredible this season. Um, and when you look at that, there's guys ahead of him on that list, that tells you how really, really good uh, this group of freshmen uh, is going to be this year. Yeah, and I'm really fascinated to watch the goalies. Um, we've got a number of high-end goalies yeah. that are going to come in and likely play significant minutes. Trey Augustine at Michigan State, probably Team USA starter at the World Juniors. The guy who's his biggest competition for for starts at the World Juniors is Jacob Fowler, the Montreal Canadiens prospect who was mm -hmm. playing at Boston College. And then um, we also have Michael Harabel coming and playing for UMass, uh, a second-round pick in the last draft, um, you know, Six foot six goalie wasn't expected to be uh, going to UMass this quickly. He was going to play another year in the USHL, but things changed and they needed a goalie. And in he comes. And so, how many starts he gets will be interesting, but he'll probably be Czechia's goalie at the World Juniors this year. So, I mean, you've got some real talent in the, in the net. Uh, you've got some really good defensemen. You mentioned Levshinov, who is going to be, um, you know, I really think a, a special player and a, and a guy that. 
you know, what I saw him in terms of his transition into the USHL in his first year of, of hockey in North America, just learning the language, learning how to drive, learning all these different things. Um, and he manages to come in and be a dominant force at the USHL level. That's why I think he's going to make that transition um, uh, so well there. Uh, you've got another draft eligible in Zeev Booyam at uh, Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see ultimately where he ends up in the draft, but you know, and also how much he's going to get in terms of playing time at Denver this year. Uh, but every single position, there's excitement. And we mentioned that the BC trio, you got Will Smith, but then you also have you know, uh, Ryan Leonard, who scored the game-winning goal at the Under-18 World Championship. You've got Gabe Perot, who set the NTDP single-season scoring record with 132 points. Um, and then, you know, you had Will Smith, uh, who, who had, was right behind him with 127 points and also had 20 points at the world under 18s to tie Jack Hughes for the U S scoring record. These are the types of players that are coming into college hockey and every single year we're seeing it more and more. And we, you know, James Hagen's committed to BC for next season. There's going to be another, you know, Cole Eiserman and BU, he could very well be the number two pick. So the freshman class just continues to get better. And it's so exciting to watch, and I can't wait to see all those guys in action because mm-hmm. they do, even though, as you mentioned, it it pays to be older in college hockey, but if we're talking pure entertainment factor, Adam Fantilli was pretty fun to watch last year. Yeah. You know, uh, Lane Hudson was pretty fun to watch last year. So uh, we're excited to see that new yeah. crop come in. I mean, right. I think it's a mix, right? Like you, you need your, you, the high end guys, like those guys were legit, really, really good. Um, yes. But it also like Minnesota, uh, they had um, Logan Cooley, legit, really, really good, important player. But what helped them is they had that mix too. They had the, you mentioned it yep. earlier, they had the older D. Um, so uh, it's uh, it helps to have a mix of both the high end guys who might, win a Hobie as a freshman uh, as well as, you know, have some really good older players. Uh, Eichel and um, Evan Rodriguez, for example, Um, good mix they had there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now we, 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 let's keep talking about Boston university because that's, you know, I think what, as we look up and down the list and every year, the, the beginning of the college season, we like to think we know what we're talking about. We'd like to think we know what's going to happen, but it never really ends up being like that. It never ends up going the way that you thought. I mean, unless really? you're like really? a Brad Schlossman who, you know, picks Quinnipiac to, to win a national <laughs> title or, you know, picks Denver to win a national title before they, well, before they do it. And if you're me, don't look at my record, but you know, like the, you know, that's, that's the, that's the thing is like, you know, it seems that the consensus has centered around Boston university as being the top team this year. Um, obviously having an incoming freshman class helps having Lane Hudson back, who was the top scoring defenseman in, in college hockey last year as a true freshman, um, a legit Hobie Baker candidate bringing in the transfers. We mentioned Matthew Caron, um, you know, having a lot of guys from last year's team that stuck around and guys that are doing an extra year um, as well. There's still a significant number of players, you know, Matt Brown, Wilmer Skoog, no longer there from last season. Um, but this is a team that, at least on paper, looks pretty complete. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, they they do have a lot of uh, really good players. Um, the, the the one thing for me doing some of these my rankings this year, like I felt pretty good about Quinnipiac 
in Minnesota last year. I felt strangely good about Denver two years ago. This year, when I look at teams, I see a lot of good teams in college hockey, and I don't see one team where I'm like, I don't know what their hole is. I, or I shouldn't say hole. I should say I have questions about every team. Um, you know, BC, are they too young? You know, the right. talent's there. BU, what, what is the goaltending going to be like at BU? Is, is Caron going to be the guy? Um, you know, Denver, they've got, they're so young on D. Crone is gone. Like, if, if, you know, North Dakota lost all their D from last year. They've, I, I just run up and down the list and I see questions on almost every team. And I see reasons why I think every team can be really good. So I, I just am really struggling this year with my picks. And, and BU to me does seem like the one that, um, you know, has the least question marks and they just have firepower. They're going to outscore um, potentially if, if Caron has a, a tough night, they might outscore that. Uh, a lot of nights, they have uh, dynamic abilities. They can all over the ice. And so I, I do have them, number one. Uh, that being said, like, I still have questions. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's fair because I was doing the same thing. I was doing the same thing and I'm looking and, I, and you could say, oh, well, what's going to happen here? Like you look at Quinnipiac and you say, well, that's that's a team that I think you know, we, we, we overlook at our own peril because they still have a system that is tried and true. They still have experience. They're bringing back the, the, the number one returning scorer in college hockey, Colin Graff. Um, they, they have other, you know, like you look at Sam Lipkin had a, had a, a an incredible season. Jacob Quillen, the, the hero yeah. of the national championship is back, but do they have a goalie? They had Yaniv Peretz yeah. last year. And he was lights out and amazing and led them to a national championship. They had Zach Metz on the back end. They still mm-hmm. have a really good blue line. I think their D is going to be good. Um, they have some extra guys that are, that are sticking it out for another year. Um, you know, they have, they have talent there, but yeah, but it's like, okay, we, they're unproven in net. Uh, they were when Peretz first started too, and he worked they out were. just fine. So, so we'll great. have to yeah. see exactly. But, but yeah, but I mean, I think that that's true. You look at Boston College, and I think the too young argument is a good one. The, the thing is, is if Jacob Fowler can be the guy that want, like he was for the Youngstown Phantoms last year as the MVP of the playoffs, one of the best playoff runs by a goalie in the history of the USHL, 952 save percentage, lost one game. I think, I, think, I believe it was, it was a, it wasn't a, that big of a lopsided loss or anything like that. He had one of the best postseason runs. And if he plays at that level as the guy for Boston College, that gives him a chance. But again, that's a young player that you're putting into a big spot. You're going to have, you know, potentially uh, forwards at every meaningful position or freshmen at every meaningful position. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have Cutter Goche. But beyond that, you know, there are a lot of guys like Nikita Nestorenko is no longer there. They have other players that, yes. that signed NHL contracts. Marshall Warren decided to use his extra year of eligibility as a transfer. So there are definitely questions about the Eagles. You look at, you know, we talked about Minnesota already as well. That is a massive turnover on their blue line. And that yeah. was arguably as good as that top line of theirs was. 
I'd say that the D was the biggest reason that they were in the national championship game and uh, yeah. a goal away from winning a national title. I mean, you just don't replace Brock Faber with anybody. I mean, he's one of the best collegiate defensemen we've seen in, in recent memory. And so that there's that. But then the one that I keep coming back to that I'm like, should we have a little more faith in is the Denver Pioneers. Um, you know, they have had to make some replacements as well. But I look at them and and you're, you know, you see them in the conference and it seems like they're always in it anymore. Um, they have good forwards. They're they've got Massimo Rizzo back. They've, I think Tristan Bros is going to take a step this year. Um, they have some really talented young freshmen coming in. Um, they've got some experience on their blue line. So, you know, I I think there are questions in that, you know, are they going to have a goalie that can carry them, but what are your thoughts on the pioneers? Cause they always seem to be in this discussion as, as a contending team. Yeah. You know, I, I think they are a contending team. They're, they're probably the, the team in the NCHC with the fewest question marks. I, I feel like the NCHC was a, again, a lot like the national picture for me where I looked at a lot of teams and there were parts of teams where I said, Ooh, I really like this, this group of guys. And then I'd look at another part of the team and say, Hmm, we'll see what's going to have transpire there. Cause I'm not, uh, you know, sold on that. Um, Denver uh, up front, they're going to be really good. Uh, they return all four centers from last year, which I think is a really big deal. Um, they lost a couple players like, you know, Carter Mazur, but they have a couple guys who are playing on like the third line who are ready for a bigger role. You know, like a Jared Wright is going to play a bigger role. Jack mm-hmm. Devine is uh, kind of broke out last year a little bit, uh, can play a top line role. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a guy, they, uh, uh, Rieger Lorenz, when he played for yep. Okotoks, he was a guy I watched and said, he's going to have an adjustment period to college hockey, but when he's an upperclassman, he's going to be really good. I think he's going to slowly emerge and show why he is a really good player. Cause I still think he is um, on the back end. When you are able to start with shy Booyam and Sean Barron's, you have two uh, high end offensive defensemen that are going to produce the, the big question for them would be they're they're really young beyond those guys on the back end. You know, Zeev Booyam's going to be 17 as talented. He is 17 year old freshman defenseman it's a tough step boston buckberger's a little older so i think he'll have a maybe a quicker transition but uh he's a freshman defenseman um you know garrett brown freshman defenseman you know they have guys like uh olvestad who will be a sophomore you know they, they have some a lot of underclassmen beyond that and a goaltender who we'll see you know magnus yeah. crone is gone matt davis looked good when crone was out yeah. last year I think the Pioneers have to like that, but still, uh, it's a, a question for them. I, I do think they're going to be good, but I, they're, they also are not without questions. Right. I, I mean, yeah, that's and that's the thing is that, you know, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. We'll, we'll talk about some some conference, you know, conference champions, you know, a little bit uh, when we talk about uh, some more teams. But one before we move on, there's I want to also get to surprise teams. But before we do that. The Michigan-Michigan State rivalry should be back in a major, major way um, just because the Spartans are finally going to be legitimately competitive in it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be another team that's going to have to battle youth. 
I think they're incredibly well coached, which is going to be which is going to be helpful as well. But you got Trey Augustine as as your starting goalie freshman. You know, you've got uh, Artem Levshunov and Maxim Sturback as two of two guys who probably will be among your top defensemen that are young freshmen. Um, and then you know you've got a, a host of others. But you look at Michigan. We talked about some of the losses, but they are going to have one, one of the guys that I think is really one of the breakout candidates of this season is Frank Nazar, who was injured for most of last year, had a tremendous showing at the World Junior Summer Showcase. And if he can come in and help offset the losses of Fantilli, Samuskevich, you know, he can't do it himself, obviously. But if he can help stem that, you know, the, the bleeding a little bit there, they are bringing Nick Molnauer. Um, you know, you look at that, this is this is probably one of their weaker recruiting classes that they've had in the, in the recent in the modern era. They'll have some good ones coming soon, but you know they've been kind of the victim of that BUBC <laughs> superstar uh, route. Um, but you know, I think I, I also have a lot of questions about Michigan's goaltending. They've got a lack of experience there. They did bring in a transfer um, out of Atlantic Hockey in Jake Barzuski, but you know, I, I really think that. Um, this is going to be one of the great – anytime you see Michigan and Michigan State play against each other, I think that those are going to be battles and they're going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, I think we – was that the series where we had uh, Adam Fantilli uh, get his uh, game misconduct that nearly cost him the Hobie Baker in the eyes of some? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> I can't, but anyway. I can't remember offhand, but uh, it If it was them or Ohio State, it could have been anybody, really. But I'm pretty sure it was Michigan State. But, but yeah, but, I mean, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But – before I, there are a couple of teams that I want to point out as potential surprises, but I'm curious for you, who do you think is going to be one of those teams that we should be paying more attention to at this time of year? I haven't heard a lot of buzz about Maine. And I, I think Maine took big strides last year. Um, and I think they're going, going to continue taking strides. They have a lot of key players back and it starts in net for them with yep. Vic, Victor Osman, and I think he's getting him back was huge. I, I thought he was probably gone after last year. Uh, he's a, a Mike Richter or candidate. They've got some really good um, under-the-radar defensemen there. Um, they're up front, you know, Lyndon Breen, ha, I, he's been a really good player for them. And now all of a sudden you add in uh, a couple of brothers who are really high-end players that I think yeah. are going to make a huge impact right away. And so, to, you know, the Nadeaus are, are who I'm talking about, for those that don't know, yeah. Bradley yeah, was a Bradley first Bradley and Josh, pick. yep. Mm-hmm. Jo- Josh has been overlooked, but uh, from everything uh, I'm told, Josh is really, really high-end, and don't overlook him just because he wasn't drafted. Um, he is going to be a high-end college player, They've got two of those guys coming, and I think the Black Bears are back this year. Um, and you know, I don't know if they're getting a lot of publicity for um, where they're at. Yeah, you know, they, they could be a top half of the of, of hockey East team. I think yeah. is it's absolutely possible. We're going to talk about Victor Osman in our unrestricted free agent talk because he had he had a chance to go last year, um, and. Uh, I, I, the other thing that Maine did that we haven't had a chance to really address, they, they, they got a commitment from Artem Duda, uh, who played in the KHL, um, and which is a professional league, uh, all indication he's not on their roster. Um, you know, all indications are that that's not going to happen. Um, 
I, I don't know what the, the current status of that situation is right now, Brad. I don't know if you do. Uh, as far as uh, as far as I know, I am not expecting him to play. It would surprise yeah, me if he did. Me too. It just yeah, me too. And and you know that, but that would have been I think, you know, they would have been among the top recruiting classes. You add a, a second round draft pick into the mix, who's a really good defenseman who played in the KHL. Um, you know, like that 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 helps. So, uh, but he won't even without that. I agree. I think that the the Doe brothers between them put over a you know over 125 points up and almost 130 points. Uh, or 230 points, sorry, um, in the BCHL collectively last year. You know, Bradley was the draft pick. He's the he's the bigger of the two. But Josh is a heady player, great playmaker. Um, watched a lot of Penticton last year. Uh, and you can watch Penticton this year on Flow Hockey. Shameless plug. So anyway, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. A couple of the, the surprise teams for me. I, they shouldn't be a surprise based on how they played last year, but I think Merrimack is going to be a very competitive team in Hockey East. Zachary Borgiel and um, Hugo Olas are their goaltenders. That may be the best tandem in the country um, in terms of, of goalie tandems. I think that those two guys are special. Uh, Borgiel got the net down the stretch last year, um, and I think he's a higher-end guy that you know will, will potentially get some, some interest, but I, I like him a lot. Um, they also are bringing back Alex Jeffries, you know, getting another year of eligibility out of him. That is huge. Um, and then they, so they've got basically a lot of their core is back. Um, and so that helps. Um, we'll see if the defense holds up. Well, you know, they, they, they also are, are going to have uh, a new facility or, you know, an upgraded facility that they're going to be able to play in starting at the, uh, the early stages of this season. That's a team to watch. You already mentioned Notre Dame. That is a team that I think has is a big threat to compete in the Big Ten because of Ryan Bischel. Landon Slagger mm-hmm. is an incredible college hockey player. They got four years out of him. You know, he grew up in South Bend. His dad is the assistant coach there or the associate head coach there in Andy Slagger. And Landon Slagger is is one of my favorite players to watch. Just hard on his sleeve player, uh, gritty. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot to like there, but then they're also bringing in Cole Knubel and Danny Nelson, two really good recruits among their best recruits of recent memory, uh, especially at forward. And, uh, those two guys, I think are going to be immediate difference makers for them. Uh, but the one team I also wanted to talk about, we got to give the CCHA some love, not just because they're on flow hockey, but because I think Michigan tech is actually a really, really good team. Um, they they are a team that didn't have a ton of uh, attrition, you know, that they had to do it. They're, I think you get Kyle Kukinen with another year of eligibility. Austin Swankler is transferring in next next semester. He was the preseason media player of the year in the CCHA. Uh, the coaches player of the year in the CCHA in the preseason is Blake Pietala, who might be one of the best goalies in the country. Elite goaltending goes a long way. He covers up a lot of things. I think that Michigan Tech will score more this year. I actually have them as a top 10 team going into this season. Um, so I I feel very strongly that the Huskies are poised to, to do some damage this year. They're also bringing in a couple freshman defensemen uh, from that uh, USHL champion Youngstown team that were really critical players in helping hold opponents really down in scoring. So, um, you know, they, they did lose some guys on the back end, but those guys are ready to go. Yep. Yep. And yeah, I just think that there's there's a lot to like there uh, about that team. And they obviously have the structure, too, that will make them competitive. And the CCHA this year, 
wide open, but most people yes. would say that Tech is the is the is the favorite. But I, I also look at Northern Michigan as a team to watch. I look at you know what does Luke Strand do in year one? I mean, everybody's doubting Minnesota State. Is he going to turn that into some sort of rally cry for them? Um, plenty to talk about there. All right, we're going to very quickly go through um, conference by conference here and go with some conference champion predictions. Now, Brad has already done this in print, so it's cheating for him. For me, I'm going off the top of my head because some people don't have a lot of time to prepare for the segments. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Brad's going to look really smart. I could look really bad, and maybe that will be fun for you. But we're going to kick things off with Atlantic Hockey, and I have a feeling we're both going to have the same answer on this one. Brad, who is winning Atlantic Hockey this year? For me, that league is the easiest one I had to pick. I think it's RIT and then everyone else. They have Wilkie back. They have the two big scoring D goalie. They have a, a OJHL player of the year is coming in. Like That's a good team. Yeah, RIT. Very easy pick there. I think that uh, they've had a really good program. They had, you know, they 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 had a good team last year. Uh, it's just, you know, in the end, we we saw Canisius move through and and uh, pull some upsets over some teams and and then get into the the tournament. But I think uh, RIT is looking like a, a good bet and also a team that I think is going to really challenge some teams in non conference play this year as well. Uh, so watch out for them. Um, now we go to the CCHA and and. While I think we may have just answered this question a few minutes ago, I don't think it's a, a foregone conclusion that Michigan Tech is winning both the McNaughton and the Mason Cup this year. It is not because I actually have Northern Michigan winning the league. I'm I'm going a little bit off the board. I, I think they're going to score a lot. Um, you know, I, I think this is a, like you said, I think this is a wide open league. Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that have a chance to win it. Um, and, and I'm actually going Northern Michigan in, in the CCHA. Northern and not a bad pick because they've got a lot of talent returning as well. Um, you know, they've, they've got Andre Gantus, who was their top scorer last year. They've got, um, uh, they, they also have Artem Schlein. They have Benny Halaz, who was a, a really good goalie down the stretch for them. I mean, they were agonizingly close to upsetting Minnesota State in uh, in in the in the cup this year, and you know I think that there were there were a lot of gut punches, and I think that motivated a lot of guys to come back. Um, they also have some interesting recruits in the pipeline. Um, you know, we'll see if they they're able to retain all of them. They did have a couple of losses here um, recently, but I think that there's a lot to like about where uh, Northern Michigan is. I will stick with Tech as my pick to win uh, the, the, the league. I think that they, you know, I really do think that Blake Pietela is the difference between uh, them and everyone else in the conference. All right, Hockey East. Let's go with Hockey East next. What do you got from our friends out to the East? Well, I think we kind of gave that one away already. Our, you know, my pick is going to, I'm sticking with BU in that one. Um, I think they just have a lot of firepower. And if they have off nights, I think they're going to uh, outscore their issues a lot of times. Um, I like BU uh, in Hockey East. I, I do too. You know, I think that BC is going to challenge them. I think that we're, we're overlooking UConn a little bit too as a, as a potential team that can compete 
We'll see if they have the defense. I think they have the goaltending because they have now they have, they have Arseny Sergeyev, and then they also added Ethan Hader um, in the transfer portal. Yeah, and I like I like that team. I like Merrimack to 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 battle, and then you know there are always teams like Providence and UMass Lowell that can upset the apple cart um, in that league. But I agree, I, I'm going to stick with BU as well there. When you you know, I think ECAC. I feel like there are some teams that feel like there's a little bit of blood in the water. Um, after Quinnipiac's, you know, won the national championship, will there be a national championship hangover perhaps, um, in, in Connecticut, but it's hard to see anybody, uh, you know, tackling them. Do you have somebody other than Quinnipiac winning ECAC? I don't, um, I, I have Quinnipiac winning it. I, I do think Clarkson and Cornell, are going to be on their tail. I, I don't think Quinnipiac's going to go win the league by 15 points. I, I I think they're the best team, but I also think there's a lot to like about Clarkson and there's a lot to like about Cornell. I agree completely. I think both of those teams are really good examples. I think Clarkson badly underachieved last year. They think they badly underachieved last year. Yeah, um, and 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 they have... They have some real pieces on that on that roster. Then you look at Cornell. Ian Shane can it can be a, a real strong goaltender for them. Bring in Ryan Walsh, who is on our top twenty five college uh, college freshman incoming, seventy five points in the USHL last season. Just a, a remarkable player. I got to see him a lot at Cedar Rapids last year. And it always seems like the the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders, you know, they they get those guys. They get better and better as the year goes on. And then you know, all of a sudden, you look up and they're you know, among the top players in the league. Um, and that was true of Ryan Walsh last year. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we're going to go to the Big Ten next. And again, fascinating race here. Who do you got winning the Big Ten? I still have Minnesota winning it. Um, you know, I think they don't have the top line they had last year. They won't have a line like that. I do think there's an argument to be made that they are deeper than they were up front. Um, I, I think their depth is really, really good up front. They're going to beat a lot of teams with four lines. Um, there's massive tr- change on the back end. I like a lot of the players they have. The question is how soon can they acclimate to their roles? Um, they, you know, So I, I think that's the question for me. But still, when I look at their roster, I, I still think – I'm going with the Gophers to win the Big Ten. Yeah, I think you bring up some good points. You think about guys that decided to come back, Jackson Nelson, Bryce Brodzinski. Um, you know, having Jimmy Snuggerud, who, you know, without even without Cooley and Nyes, legitimate Hobie Baker candidate, absolute sniper, love the way he plays, NHL-style game from Jimmy Snuggerud, um, going to be a big piece of that World Junior team. I think that they have that. And then Justin Close has now had the experience of – being a top goalie in that conference, I'm going with a dark horse in the Big Ten because I do think that there's going to be some real upsetting of the apple cart throughout the conference. I think they're going to beat up on each other all year. And at the end of the year, I think Notre Dame is going to be the Big Ten champion. I'm I'm riding Ryan oh, wow. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, I'm going you're, you're off the board. Making them my surprise pick, and you're going even uh, further with them. Well, so that's yeah, how no, big I... of a surprise I that's how big of a surprise I think it's going to be. Now, I didn't give them that kind of push, like I'm, we're talking like this is winning the conference tournament. This is you know having a good enough uh, a good enough game, you know, to be the to 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 make it work. 
But, um, you know, I, I think that this is a, a fascinating team. I think Bischel is a, is a real deal. Um, we'll see if they have – the question with Notre Dame is always, will they score enough? Um, I think Danny Nelson and Cole Canoe will help. I think Landon Slaggart's going to have a big year. Um, you know, I think you'll you'll see some of their their veteran guys. They always make it difficult to play against. Um, I think skill teams are going to really struggle with them. And then they've you know they got that last line of defense. So yeah, it's it's it, trust me, it's off the board. It's a shot in the dark. Yeah. I already admitted I like that it. I didn't prepare well enough for this. So I like it. Though. Don't I like hold it. me. To, yeah, yeah. Don't hold me to it. Um, we're going to close it out with the uh, the conference that you know uh, well and uh, as well as anybody with the NCHC. Um, and again, it feels like a very competitive conference. Yeah, this is another one where I get down to like the sixth place team in my poll. And I say, you know what, this team actually could win the league. Um, I, I think every team has a lot of things to like and every team has question marks. The team that has the fewest question marks for me is Denver. And that's why I picked uh, Denver as the, as the preseason conference champ. But by no means do I think like that is like a cut and dry for sure going to happen. I think there are a lot of teams that have a lot to like about them uh, heading into the year. And uh, a lot of teams that have some question marks and whoever answers those question marks, the best will, will win the league. Yeah, and I, I, I'm with you. I think Denver is the team to beat. I think that that's the 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 group that you know you got to get through. Um, you know, I, I think that there are teams that that I'm gonna, I'm really intrigued by. You know, Western Michigan, despite all the losses, losing their entire top scoring line from last season to the NHL, um, you know, is 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 a is a is hard. But they they went into the portal. They worked some. You know, they got some good players with some good experience. You know, they we'll see if the goaltending kind of holds up for them. Um, we know they're going to be a well-coached team with Pat Fershweiler at, at the helm. And, you know, I think that they're, they're on the cusp of, of taking a step. Um, I'm really interested by the team that you cover closest North Dakota. I feel like, you know, they've so much, so often been, you know, very heavy on the blue line. And now it feels like this is a team that's going to have to outscore some of their issues. Um, I think they can with guys like Jaden Perron, Reese Gaber, um, you know, and, uh, and Jackson Blake. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really good team. Uh, Minnesota Duluth, you know, can you really ever count them out? I don't think they have the, the star pop this year. Um, they never really have the star pop, but, you know, they, they have a system that seems to work. They usually get the goaltending. And then the team that I think could be intriguing to watch as they take another step under Chris Mayotte is, is Colorado College. Um, you know, they've lost some, some significant guys. Having a Hunter McCown not there anymore. Um, is is an issue, but I like their recruiting class. I like that you know Caden Embarico could potentially be you know a, a guy that that brings them a lot of success in net. Um, you know we'll have to wait and see, but I, I you know I think Denver ends up winning the NCHC. All right, we're gonna also quickly run down the Hobie Baker watch list because we're starting to hit hit up against the clock here, and I want to make sure that we we give everybody some time to uh, enjoy uh, their, their season or their, their preseason nap and, and get ready. But hopefully we're, we're up to prepare you, but we're going to talk Hobie Baker. Um, and this year's fascinating because you've got the introduction. You already mentioned Will Smith, uh, you know, Macklin Celebrini, some freshmen. There have been three freshmen that have won this thing, including last year, Adam Fantilli, Jack Eichel, Paul Correa, pretty darn good company. Um, but Let's I'll, I'll go straight up with you, you know, as you've been kind of previewing the season, who is your favorite to win the Hobie Baker this year? 
You know, um, I, I think uh, the the two BU guys, uh, Hudson and Celebrini, um, are are my picks because uh, voters often lean towards statistics and goals. Specifically, I would give uh, Celebrini uh, my preseason number one nod. Now we are talking about someone who is 17 years old, which is. Uh, kind of crazy, but I think you and I are both in agreement. He's that good that um, he is going to uh, be a candidate to win it as a freshman. And he's at he's at the top of my list. And honestly, his teammate um, could be number two. And then you quickly shift over uh, down the street for um, three and four. So, yeah. So, yeah, your your top three is my top three as well. Um, so, so here's the deal. I, I why Macklin Celebrini can win the Hobie Baker. I mean, he, yes, he's he's going to be the, what the youngest player in college hockey this year, I believe. Is he ex, he should be a high school senior this year? He did accelerate to 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 get this opportunity, um, but he was the USHL Player of the Year, the MV, the the Rookie of the Year, and the Forward of the Year. The first guy ever in the Tier One era to do that. Set the single season scoring record for a U seventeen player by a lot. Um, and as you, he also played almost all of last season hurt. He was playing through a shoulder injury, which got repaired this summer. So as he's back to 100%, and and we were worried that he was going to miss a portion of the beginning of the season, all indications are he's starting on time. And so that's another factor. Um, and yeah. he is he's a two-way center. He takes care of his own end, but he is a dynamic offensive player. He can drive a line. He can score the highlight reel goals. You know, Adam Fantilli was an amazing USHL player. I have no problem saying that Macklin Celebrini at the same age was much better than Adam Fantilli at the same age. Will the mm-hmm. trajectory be the same? That remains to be seen. But I think Max Celebrini, you know, he, he'll be playing as a, as a younger than true freshman. If he has a big year and helps lead BU to a, a frozen four, it's going to be hard to deny him. Meanwhile, yeah. I think his biggest competition is, competition is Lane Hudson. Most dynamic defenseman yeah. in college hockey, possibly ever. I mean, like just just quite frankly, when you look at the numbers, you say, "Oh, well, you know, doing things that Brian Leach didn't do in his freshman season as one of the greatest all-time freshman defensemen in NHL or in NCAA history." You know that goes to show you. And he's going to have more weapons this year. He's going to have guys like Celebrini. He's going to have you know players that are older, more experienced, and and I think you know on a national championship contending team, Lane Hudson's going to be a big part of it. Meanwhile, you look at Will Smith and the reason why him over some of the, you know, even Cutter Goche, who's going to be a sophomore on that team. I just think that Smith is an absolute driver. He is a, a high end uh, distributor. He's going to rack up primary assists throughout the entire season. He's going to have good line mates and he's going to be special. A couple other names to know for this I think Colin Graff at Quinnipiac will not be overlooked. Um, he had 55 points last season, a little quieter in the postseason than he was during the regular season, but a player that I think has a lot of uh, a potential. If you look at goalies, like I look at guys like like Ryan Bischel and Blake Piedela, um, who are going to be core guys. You know, if I think Notre Dame has a chance to win the Big Ten, the only reason I think that is because I, I think Ryan Bischel is one of the best goalies in college hockey. That's and and you know, he'll he'll be their very high threshold for goalies to win the Hobie. Um, so obviously it's not a foregone conclusion there. I do think Goche will be another competitor, 
uh, for that award. Um, you know, and you look at some other guys I mentioned, Frank Nazar could be a breakout guy. You know, you, Jimmy Snuggerud could be a, a big time player for Minnesota. So I, I do think that the likelihood of this Hobie Baker, it's going to come from the freshman or sophomore class. That's my thought is that it'll come from the freshman or sophomore class this year. Um, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. So want to keep rolling here because I want to get to college free agents, which is always a, a topic that is interesting every year. Um, maybe sometimes we put too much stock into it because obviously the number of guys that go as college free agents isn't always matching the, you know, the, the quality of the guys that are, are coming in as drafted players. Um, but, you know, when you look at guys like Zach Whitecloud winning a Stanley Cup last year, you know, you look at some of the guys that 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 signed the last season that, you know, Hunter McCown got into the Columbus lineup and, you know, helped right away. And you know, Cole McWard has been getting a really good opportunity um, with the Vancouver Canucks this year. You know, there's a lot of of guys that are going to be NHL players. So I think we both have one guy circled as the number one free agent this year and and brad i'll i'll see if 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 ours match um but uh who do you got as 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 your top college free agent to watch this season yeah i mean for starters things can change during the year so we are very early on this but using last year as a guide like dylan anhorn at st cloud state was a really dynamic defenseman and really drove that team last year Uh, i keep seeing jack peart getting on um these all conference lists. And I thought Anhorn was the better guy last year. Peart's good, but Anhorn yeah, was and dra- the guy. Yeah. yeah. So. It's amazing what having a draft draft status next to your name yeah. can do for you sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But, but with all due respect, I think Jack Peart's a, a fine collegiate defenseman, sure. but yeah, the, but yeah, but Anhorn, that's, that's another good one. Yeah. So, so, but, but who do you got? Who's who of all the guys, is Anhorn your number one or is it? You know, I don't know if I have them ranked, but, you know, like the I, I know the guys in the NCHC better than other leagues. I have, you know, Ann Horn. I have Reese Gaber, uh, smaller dynamic goal scorer for North Dakota. Um, you know, it looks like he's playing at a faster pace to me this year than he was before, which is a big deal for him. And just guys who are pure goal scorers, uh, you know, aren't all that common in college these days and the nch has got two of them that are undrafted they've got reese yeah. gaber and they've got ben steves and so both those yeah. guys really shoot a puck and i think are going to be intriguing uh, steves is definitely one that i think is is garnering a lot of interest there's going to be a lot of guys that are you know younger in their college career they're not young but they're they they might be freshman sophomore junior kind of players that are getting this kind of attention i do think that victor osman is going to be the number one guy that that most nhl teams are going after goalies are 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 often highly sought after and he's got you know the size the ability um if he plays a leading role on a main team that we think is going to be a lot better this year that only helps his cause you know you look at some of the guys that have come out of uh, of maine and you look at Jeremy Swayman and, and, you know, it's been a cavalcade of goalies, you know, Jimmy Howard going, but you can even go back to Garth Snow if you want to, um, you know, this has been a, a place that has produced high end goalies and it looks like Victor Osman could be the next one. I think he's a, a big time guy. A couple of the guys um, that I'm keeping an eye on. It's not a guarantee that they're coming out right away, but two transfers that I think will be fascinating to watch in the big 10 this year. Christian Fitzgerald at uh, at Wisconsin. I think that he was 
he he took off last season towards the end of the year, played some of his best hockey in the playoffs for Minnesota State. Now he's at Wisconsin. He's going to be under a little bit of a brighter spotlight. Obviously, Mike Hastings is going to have a lot of faith in him and, and the other guys that he brought over. But I think that particularly Fitzgerald is going to be, you know, he, he's going to produce. He's going to have some and there's going to be some interest in him. The other guy is it, I think it's all about upside and looking at a player with size. And that's Josh Nessie. Who, who went uh, from St. Thomas to Michigan, uh, was the subject of one of the more heated transfers of the entire offseason. Um, and there were several, but that one seemed to, to garner the most heat. Ernesti is, uh, you know, big earn. Uh, he's, he's a big fella. And I think going to a program there um, at Michigan where he's going to be surrounded by some elite talent, we're going to actually get an idea of what he's going to do. Another guy that I think got a lot of NHL interest last year, but opted to come back for another season and transferred um, to Providence is Luke Chris. Uh, Luke Chris had a lot of, he was played at Brown. He had a, a number of NHL teams ready to sign him to a contract. He opts to stay in school for a year and goes to Providence. Um, you know, TJ Hughes at Michigan is another one who would be a sophomore this year. I think NHL teams were sniffing around last year. He had a tremendous year at Brooks before he came to college hockey. Um, and so now th- those are some of the other guys just to be aware of. Certainly not a comprehensive list, but a list nonetheless of players to know in the free agent market because NHL teams will be certainly uh, uh, after them. And, and you know, Ben Steves and, and Reese Gaber are two guys that I also had on my list, Brad. So, um, you know, and Ann Horn. So, yeah, so that's a that's a good one there. Uh, anybody else we're missing? Anybody else you want to shout out on the free agent side? Well, you know, on the goalie side, the one big thing that the teams look for is size and goalies right now. There's no question yep. about it. Dartmouth has a six foot eight or six foot nine goaltender, Cooper Black. If he has a good year, um, teams are going to see that. And, you know, just with that pure size, it <laughs> has to be fascinating. And I know there were teams that were yes. curious last year. Um, Absolutely. You know, that's a good one. That's a good call out. Noah Giesbrecht at Ferris State uh, has a very interesting development path and he's had success. Uh, You know, I think he went and played Canadian college and was the, you know, had an unbelievable save percentage. He went to Ferris and Ferris was uh, better than expected last year. And I think he was a big reason why. And he's what, Mm 6'3". So he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, keep an eye on. They, they like goaltenders with size, and those are a couple guys that have some size. And if they have a good year, um, they may come calling for uh, guys like that. Yeah, and, and NHL teams are investing a lot more in college free agency and, and undrafted free agency in general. Um, you know, looking at Europe, looking at uh, major junior, looking at college hockey. Um, and, you know, there are so, a lot of teams that are, now have dedicated uh, college free agent scouts um, because yeah. they, they do view that as an opportunity to um, find some diamonds in the rough there. So uh, very fascinating to watch. Um, and obviously players will emerge over the course of the season that we didn't even predict. Um, and there are a lot of players that will get signed where you're probably gonna be like, huh? And that happens too. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll see what that that is, but hopefully we just gave you a little bit of extra preparation. All right. Now it's time for the listener Q and a, uh, Brad, are you with me? Do you want to do you want to yeah. face the the line of questioning? All right, we're going to start it off. And this is a this is a tough one. I think we touched on this player already for, for at least for you. Um, and this one comes from our pal Jake, and he asks, "Who in the non Lane Hudson category? Very important qualifier. 
will be the best defenseman in college hockey this year. Mr. Yeah, Schloss. That's where maybe I, maybe I go with uh, uh, Dylan Anhorn. Um, you know, I think Sean Barons will have uh, a say in that as well. Uh, but I'll throw uh, those two names out there. I think uh, another guy that I think is going to be playing an absolute ton this year, and that's the the, the opportunity that he's going to have, I think is a big part of this. Um, I think Seamus Casey is going to have a big year at Michigan. Um, he is a dynamic yes. forward. You know, he didn't point it up in his draft year. Uh, but he got to Michigan and, you know, there were times where he was on there, you know, when they didn't have Luke Hughes, he was their first power play option. Now that's going to be him all the time. Um, you know, so that's going to be interesting to see, um, it, you know, not just points. I think, you know, Ryan Chesley's another guy at Minnesota who's going to have to step up. And and I like his skill set. I like the tools that he brings to the table. I think he's a solid defender. But, you know, odds are it's going to be one of those older guys that we aren't even thinking about right now because we're, we're thinking about the guys that instantly pop in our brain. Um, but, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of really good uh, defensemen throughout the country, even if there's not necessarily the star power. But Lane Hudson is clearly, uh, you know, in a class of his own uh, when it comes to collegiate defensemen. Now we're, here's a question about that Michigan Tech squad, and this one comes from Eric. And uh, it's an interesting question that I think we'll both chime in on. But uh, Eric asks, how much does Michigan Tech adding Austin Swankler move the needle? They were already looking strong on the CCHA this year. Does it make it theirs to lose? I'll let you start there, Brad. Uh, for me, it, it didn't move the needle a ton because I still am picking Northern Michigan. Um, you know, he, uh, he obviously put up a lot of points at Bowling Green, um, and, and was a very important player for them. Uh, Bowling Green also, uh, didn't win the league or make the tournament either. Um, and, and I think yeah, Northern Michigan, has, yeah, I, I think Northern Michigan's a good team and I, I think they're being overlooked right now. So, so for me, uh, you know, I, I still am picking the Wildcats. Uh, it, does he help Michigan Tech offensively? No question about it. Um, but uh, uh, we will see uh, what happens in the CCHA. It's a fascinating league. It is. And I think it can move the needle. I mean, it, it really depends. So just to give our listeners context, if you don't know, Bowling Green is under investigation for allegations of hazing. Those allegations were brought forth by Austin Swankler, who also made that public on Twitter, which is why we're saying that that was where the allegations came from. We wouldn't have said that otherwise, but he made it public and wants it out there that, you know, that was his call. He ends up transferring the same day. He enters the portal the same day he was named the preseason player of the year by the media in the CCHA at Bowling Green. Um, legitimate scoring talent, high-end skill. The question is, he can't join Michigan Tech until next semester because of the transfer situation. I'm right, right, Brad. He can't join until December, I think, at the earliest. That that's uh, my understanding. I haven't seen yeah. um, much comment on it from Michigan Tech, but that is kind of the assumption, I think. Right, right, and so also Bowling Green has three players that are suspended indefinitely. Their head coach is on administrative leave. Um, so a lot has happened. Um, we don't know the full, you know, the full facts and, and obviously, you know, Austin Swankler has put out there that, that hazing was going on in the program and that, you know, 
it also made him leave. Um, so what I would say from a hockey perspective is it does make it does make Michigan Tech more dangerous at the most important time of the season. Um, even though Bowling Green lost last year, um, you know, I think that Swankler was a big part of, you know, making them a competitive team over the course of the mm-hmm. season. He's he's got a lot of potential to, to make a ma- major impact on that roster. Um, so so yeah, so I I think I think the CCHA is theirs to lose. Um, but at the same time, to Brad's point, Northern Michigan has a really good team and will be competitive. So um, nobody's running away with anything. All right, next question comes from Iserman season, and the question is: What should we reasonably expect from Trey Augustine in the NCAA this year? And Augustine is going to be likely the starting goalie for the bulk of the season for Michigan State. He has familiarity with head coach Adam Nightingale, who called him up to the under-18 team. He was his goalie at the U18 World Championship. They fell just short of the gold medal at that event. But once Nightingale took the job at Michigan State, one of the big things was he flipped a commitment from Trey Augustine to go to Michigan State um, and keep uh, uh, one of the better in-state goalies right there in East Lansing, it's always tough when, like, here's what I know. Here's what I know about Trey Augustine, incredibly intelligent goalie, technically gifted, um, low panic rate, good mental game. You know, I I think that there's a lot to like about him. Um, He is a, he is slightly below average in size for a goalie, but that didn't prevent the Red Wings from drafting him, even though they have goalies in their system. Um, And, I think that he's just the technique that he has is, is really impressive, but we don't know, you know, we've seen freshmen or first year goalies come in and really make an impact. You know, I think of guys like Thatcher Demko. I think of guys, you know, guys that end up going on to NHL success and things like that, or, you know, Devin Levi, who was technically a sophomore his first year because of an injury that kept him out his freshman year. But I do think Trey Augustine will be a difference maker. Brad, what are your thoughts just on, you know, can you be a contending team with a freshman goalie? I think so. Um, You know, I I think he will have a a good year. You you know, a lot depends on the team around you, and I think he's going to have a good team around him. So I think that's uh, an important place to to start. So, uh, you know, I, I would expect him to have the majority of the starts there. I would expect him to have a save percentage better than 90. Um, you know, how much better that's, that's the big mystery. It is. And, and we're going to, we'll, we'll wait and see, but I, I think my expectations are very high for him. I think this is a very important year in his career um, because he's also going to be the, the world junior goalie and he played in the world juniors last year as an underager. So keep an eye on that. All right. Our next question comes from Blackhawks, Brazil. And uh, we're not talking enough, I think, about Frank Nazar. Do you know how he is, what line he will play on? So he's ready to go. Um, He looks really good in the World Junior Summer Showcase. I think he's the breakout, could be the breakout player of the year in in college hockey based on what I saw in Plymouth. Um, I believe he'll probably be the top center for Michigan this year. You know, it's they, they have options. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't know exactly what line he's going to end up playing on. I know that you know Michigan kind of did. Uh, they they did have a, a preseason game already, um, and I I forgot to check the line chart. See again. Look at that preparation, Brad. I am just on it today. Um, 
but I do think that that Frank Nazar is going to have a significant impact for for Michigan. You know, Brad, I don't know if you want had anything to add to that, but I just think that he's going to have a really big year. Yeah, no, I think what, the only thing I'd add is a lot of times uh, why certain players aren't being talked about. Everyone defaults and goes and looks at last year's statistics and things like that. And that's where a guy, guys who are injured can be overlooked. And, and I think Nazar is in the same uh, realm as Dylan Anhorn. And uh, there are certainly guys who did not play the number of games, so their statistics weren't quite uh, as high. And people forget about them, and and those are a couple of got good examples. Yeah, yeah, and I the other thing that I think we also forget about with Frank Nazar is when he came in last year. He came in in basically in February, so when everything is ramped up, and he had to get up to speed immediately. Um, I think he's coming in with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, he actually one of his best games that he played was that game against uh, uh, Colgate, where. <laughs> where Michigan blew the doors off of them in the national tournament. Um, so, all right. Our next question comes from CFM. Uh, what's one regular season series that you wish, or do you wish you could go to this year and why Brad, I'll start with you on this one. Well, I would uh, say North Dakota at Boston university. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to go to that one. Um I think that's going to be a, a really fun weekend uh, and uh, some great matchups there as well. And some high end players uh, on the ice, uh, a traditional, uh, you know, old school East West rivalry uh, type of thing. And uh, I, I just think that's going to be a great weekend and that's one I'm going to. So uh, that's high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. You get to, you get to go. That's going to be a fun one. Um, my answer is I don't need to go to any games. I've got flow hockey, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. I, I, Among the games that I think would be high on my list to go see is January 26th and January 27th, BU versus Boston College. That is the first time they play will be in January, late January for the battle of the two top recruiting classes in college hockey. That would be very high on the list. Also, they play each other in the first round of the bean pot this year. Hello. Mm. So that'll be fun. Um, so those are pretty good. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I like. I, th- I you know, I, we've talked a lot about them, but I think that those are, the, that's definitely high on the list to see that level of skill and NHL talent on one ice surface. Um, that would be fun. All right. Skiu Ra is our next questioner. They asked multiple questions, but I only was able to pick one. And this is the uh, this is the one that I picked. Will the recent trend of elite players sticking around for a second and third year continue, or will we see the reemergence of the one and done? Interestingly enough, we've got, you know, last year we saw Logan Cooley and Adam Fantilli kind of break from the recent trend of being one and done's. I think it's a case by case situation. A lot of players looked at um, a lot of players looked at um, uh, what. Um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. A lot of players looked at what Kale McCarr did and Quinn Hughes did. You know, I think you will continue to see defensemen spend a minimum of two years. Uh, there were people saying Lane Hudson should sign right now. There's nothing he can do in college hockey. No way. I think that the what I saw from Kale McCarr's first year 
to his second year, what I saw from Quinn Hughes' first year to his second year, Keandre Miller, you know, all these players, they were so much better in their second year that you had to, you know, like that they were, they walked into NHL lineups ready. And so I think defensemen will stay that way. I still think that it takes a special player to be a one and done. Logan Cooley's a special player. Adam Fantilli's a special player. Jack Eichel was a special player. Don Larkin was a special player. Like, you know, these are these are the people that leave as one and dones. Um, so I, I think that we'll still see a lot of elite players take the extra year because it just means for most of them next to no time in the AHL or otherwise. So, Brad, any I mean, any other additional thoughts on that one? No, I think that's about right. I think defensemen take longer to develop than uh, forwards. So if you see it, I would be, uh, I would expect it is more likely to be a forward that's one and done than a D-man. All right. I like it. So uh, this one is a little less college hockey related, but prospect related. And, and it actually, it does come into play for NCAA. And this question is, how much communication is there between an NHL team? And this comes from Alex. Um, how much communication is there between an NHL team and their prospects before they become pro? Do teams talk to a player's current coach or organization much during a season? Is there ever friction between the NHL team and a junior NCAA team over the player's role? Oh, yes. Random task, my friend, Alex. It has been. So there's always the NHL team cannot dictate where a player plays. They can offer suggestions, but they can't really do that. There have been times where the there was such acrimony that the NHL team just said, screw it, we're going to sign the player. Probably the most famous being Garth Snow saying, Kyle Poso, you're coming to the New York Islanders right now. We can't have you at the University of Minnesota anymore. And that's what they did. They signed him right out of Minnesota at midseason. It was very, very rare that that happens. Um, to answer the first part of your question, then Brad, I'm sure you've seen this a lot. I, 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 does, does Ottawa ever like set up a, an apartment for their player development guys in Grand Forks because of all the senators <laughs> prospects that were there? Um, you know, teams have a lot of conversation. I've been at a lot of games uh, where pro scouts and or player development people are um, at the game and they will go talk to the player after the game. Um, often it's, you know, Hey, how's this going? How's that? Like they, there's not a lot they can do. They, they give them suggestions. You know, can you improve this way? Those guys are always watching video of these players. There's the evaluation process is constant. Um, for the more high profile players, sometimes they'll get more attention. Sometimes it's players that the team really believes in, but he might not be a top tier prospect. I remember like Wyatt Kalanick when he was with Wisconsin, a low draft pick, but the Flyers had people there all the time, and he still didn't end up signing with them. But they had players there, all, like you know, Shell Samuelson there all the time to kind of keep an eye on him and, and give him encouragement, and give him suggestions, and different things like that. So, so it happens. But Brad, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Yeah, I mean, I like you said um, after games when there's scouts at the games or player personnel people, they'll come down to the locker room after the game. They'll talk to their uh, player for a couple minutes. It's usually not long. A lot of it is just getting face-to-face with them and seeing how they're doing. Um, It's not a ton of coaching usually, but maybe sometimes they'll offer some suggestions. Uh, Are there there times when a team's upset with the college team on the usage of their guy? Definitely. 
you will you'll definitely hear stories of uh, certain NHL teams that think uh, their prospects being not used enough for um, whatever is the case. But um, that's uh, definitely something that uh, the coaches have to manage. The other thing I would uh, kind of I'm getting off topic here, but sometimes they have to manage these undrafted free agents too. When, oh, when yeah. Zach Whitecloud was at Bemidji State, I think uh, Tom Seratori had to set up certain days that they could talk to him because it was just too much. It was constantly all these different teams coming in and talking to him, and it was way too much. It drafted guys, it's probably more manageable because it's only one team talking to him right. um, and, and meeting with them. But, yes, no, they keep in contact with their uh, prospects throughout the season and – if they are unhappy with the way one of their prospects are being used, yes, they will definitely let that be known. Yeah, yeah, and it it can create a lot of discomfort, you know, and a lot of annoyance for coaches. But I think that's also a great point about the college free agents because the recruiting process is an entire season, sometimes more than one yeah. season, and that's that's where things go, you know, kind of off the off the rails. Wow. Well. It's been a long episode. I really thank Brad for sticking with me for it because, you know, it's great. Before I let you go, who who was uh who was the Grand Forks Herald's pick for national champion this year? Well, I I haven't published it yet, but it's like 95% going to be BU. Um Ooh, 95%. So- that leaves so yeah. you're saying there's a chance that it's not being there's a chance. A and, and the reason I say 95% is because last year I, when I penciled in and I actually did pencil in Minnesota right away and I slept on it and I woke up the next morning and I said, Nope, going with Quinnipiac. And, and I switched <laughs> it at the last minute. So you just never know when I'm going to do that before I hit publish. I, there's always that threat, but you know, the, the way I'm leaning right now is with the consensus for the first time in a few years, I was off the board the last couple of years and I'm highly disappointed in myself for going with the consensus and I'm not going to um, be unique this year, probably unless I can dig up something else in the next couple hours. Yeah. I don't know if there's enough secret stats that we can find that'll, that'll help us make these decisions, <laughs> but Brad, I, I thank you so much for joining me this week and, and every year. Um, I think this is the third time we've done the college hockey preview together. Um, and, uh, I really do appreciate it. So Brad, uh, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day and I'll go ahead and close this show by myself, but thanks so much for joining me on talking hockey sense. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. All right. That was Brad Schlossman. You can follow him at Schlossman GF on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it now. And I also want to remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast on your audio apps of choice. You can also watch it on YouTube and flowhockey.tv. We post the episodes uh, everywhere so you can either watch or listen. And if you are on one of those audio apps, please do leave a kind rating and review. It really does help the show. I am so excited for this college season. I hope that you guys are too. Don't forget to subscribe to Flow Hockey. Get that annual pass because we've got not just the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey, but the USHL, a lot of these feeder leagues, two college hockey, the BCHL, the CJHL, so much of that. And then also, of course, our professional leagues, the ECHL and the SPHL this year. So very excited to have so much great hockey on Flow Hockey throughout the year. Make sure you are signed up so you don't miss any of it. And don't miss this show next week. We'll be talking lots more about college hockey, about prospects, and so many different things. We thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Talking Hockey Sense. My name is Chris Peters. We'll catch you next time.